Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Improving from Normal. I am your host, Jonathan, and joining me is Navjot Singh, uh, entrepreneur and community activist. Navjot, welcome. Hi, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me today. Thank you for being here. Uh, I wanted to touch on some... Well, first... How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> a lot has happened this week. Oh, goodness. Um, take a deep breath on that one. Yes, a lot has happened. Um, and a lot, though, that's happened for those of us who have been in, uh, been attuned to what's been going on over these past few years, have been aware of what's uh, been occurring that's not been on the periphery. It's been quite in the forefront. Um, we're so, you know, so, so so in some ways, like, knew something like this could happen, but are just so saddened that it has. And then the images, the images and the, the heartbreak is just, you know, momental, momentous. It, I agree. It, it is. I, I don't want to say it's like a fever broke. It's just like the temperature raised on the fever. <laughs> it's, yes. We're, yes. Where's that Tylenol, right? Yeah, Where's uh, that? Uh, there isn't one big enough, I don't think. You know, I, I, th I thought it would have died down, but no. And it, it's unfortunately, at least from where I'm sitting, and that, that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to talk with you, was that this, this seemed symptomatic everything seems like a symptom of a larger problem the last four years and during the pandemic really laid bare a lot of flaws in a lot of systems from you know business society race gender uh that a lot of people are either ignoring or sidestepping and I, I want to know, it, it, is, is that what you're seeing as well, or do you think do you think I'm way off target on that? No, I, I think you have a point there because think about why do you sidestep? Why do you not address? Um, there's just been a silence or a um, look the other way approach, and this has been unfortunate because. The issues are so, so, so important to society and community um, of all, all communities. I mean, that it takes courage. It's going to take compassion. And we have to be able to use the language to speak, speak to truth, stand for truth, to listen to others, um, but also to be mindful and be um, compassionate about the experiences and circumstances that have brought uh, brought this to our doorstep. You know, um, the the problems are not new. What I find interesting is that where the silence has been coming from. You know, like you said, sidestep. Uh, recently, just within the past few days, you've seen certain segments speaking up. But where have they been for the past four years? Or where have they been in the past eight, 10, 12 years? These systems have been so um, integrated. So the sense of, um, you know, I don't, it's not my problem. Or hmm. I can close my eyes to it. Or I can close my ears to it. Or I can dismiss or minimize someone's, someone's injustice is just not acceptable. And I think that's why this collective awareness, this collective, like, is conscious, you know, this kind of consciousness is like, what, you know, wake up, you know, wake up um, and let's stand up. I completely agree. I, I think this week... We saw people who were willing to speak up because they were directly impacted. 
you know, I, 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 I doubt Lindsey Graham's ever going to be a guest on this show. But let's take Lindsey Graham for example. <laughs> he he spoke yeah. he spoke yeah. up because he he was mm-hmm. directly impacted, and within forty eight mm-hmm. hours he was once again downplaying the issue, saying that yeah. you know if, if if we are to take action and show a person that if if they are going to do something that is insightful and aggressive and violent, that there are consequences for such actions. No, no, no. Lindsey Graham says we can't do that. It would just incite further violence. No, the violence is going to happen no matter what. If you, if you don't say anything, you're, you're by not saying any something by not identifying and trying to work towards a solution you are giving permission for the problem to perpetuate. I agree. And Lindsay, Lindsay Graham, I know that he has continuously flipped and flopped and, you know, like a fish, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes. And the, the thing is, though, I feel like why... Why are we accepting of these explanations and why um, are we okay with this, right? Why do we let somebody like Lindsey Graham, um, you know, go back and forth and be okay with it when you're seeing such serious consequences of being uh, uh, of that? So um, I, I, I think that this is, this is something that we really, um, forgive me, but it's, it's something that that's going to take courage, mm-hmm. and I don't. I I think it's going to be. And there are such courageous and compassionate people that are coming up, but again, they're just dismissed. And then the voice or the platform is given to those such as uh, a Lindsey Graham. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we're giving him way too much. Um, attention and power because well he happens to be a white man of privilege as well but yes. uh, that's some and that's something that we need to really just account for i i think i think you you hit on a big thing here because uh what what i have seen especially in the past four years and especially in the past few days is a is a lesson for everyone in privilege, specifically white male privilege, um, where the the issue goes unrecognized unless it happens to the white male individual, like McConnell, Graham, and name anyone else who who suddenly became very concerned about abuses yeah. of power and you know. A, a potential mob um but you know we saw it uh ev- even during the pandemic the initial stages of the pandemic in, but in smaller ways uh you know with the rollout of the care act ppp loans all of that we saw businesses and i'm not saying this is a bad thing the businesses suddenly became compassionate careful about no contact delivery and we are looking for your into your best interests uh which is good you know compassion in business is great realizing the larger problems when june hit with the black lives matter protests we saw businesses shift their philosophies again and as I was holed up in in my house watching all of this unfold, the first question was, where where, where have you been for the past 50 years? Yeah, where where, where, where have we all been? Where have we all been? Where have we all been? Where have we all been is that we have been um, made to feel comfortable in some ways, and we've been made to feel that um, it's it's not some you know either it's there's not this is just a minimal issue. I mean, if the problems have been minimized, dismissed, silenced, 
um, you know, uh, you know, black minority immigrant communities, Latina communities, um, have bared such of the brunt of this, uh, um, you know, this anger, this, 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 this unjustifiable, um, uh, you know, discrimination and racism and, um, anger, um, you know, they paid for that with their lives and, um, and that's, unacceptable and and we need to say that it's unacceptable um it's, uh in the early especially with um uh the charlotte like this what's happened and we've seen things happen and then we thought oh wh- where was uh lindsey graham and mitch mcconnell when we had the charlottesville mm-hmm. and where were they in seattle when again uh you know these, this young woman was, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember her name, but I'm not remembering it now. But it was such a young woman who was um, just killed, and she was a young white woman who was, you know. And then there's these other instances, instances of, of of people coming to protect. I think I'm trying to remember that one of the cases or the issues that happened where uh, a, a, a woman or a minority person was being attacked in either a train or a public place and the person who went to defend her was a young white gentleman and he ended up sacrificing his life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, talk about courage in that space and talk about where doing that thing resulted in this young gentleman or this young woman, you know, losing their life. What, what, why can't we even say even that for, for those for those lives that are being lost of color and those lives that are being lost in the defense, like why are we not standing up and saying this is not acceptable? We can't, and it just seems like we've let this go on way too much. And it's, and it takes something so tragic and so monumental like that would happen on Wednesday for even some of those to just even, uh, like you say, Lindsey Graham or Mitch McConnell, to make the statement, get a round of applause, but then again, turn back to business as usual. You know? Right. And and your contest, Jonathan, is improving from normal. Dude, I think we got a lot of improving to do. <laughs> we got a lot we have a lot of improving, my friend. <laughs> well then I'll make sure there's more than one episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, you know Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think that's that's right. You're, you're going to need a, quite a few episodes because change and betterment for for personal, professional, societal, community change it's, it's incremental. But we can take those steps. We have the resources. We have the intellect, the intelligence. We have the capacity, and we have the compassion and courage to make the change. It's just that we have to start standing up, speaking up, and and definitely more so than we have seen. We we, we have to step up that step up that platform of of courageous communication. I completely agree. I, I wish there was a way to give people for lack of a better term a sense of other like okay we since the pandemic started we see some not all people wearing masks not just for their own protection but for the protection of those around them i don't know if i'm carrying covid so i'm going to wear a mask and protect those around me but no one seems to be extrapolating to the larger issues I have a sense of other, well, I'm not just speaking about me personally, but take the average person. If they have a sense of other, how far does it extend? If If I am going to choose to buy a product from a big box store, or am I going to buy the same product, maybe it'll cost me a few cents more, from a shop in my community, thus helping to uplift that business owner 
his employees, everyone they go home to, their families. And it's, I don't know, I do, to accomplish national sweeping goals or global sweeping goals, I, I, I think we actually have to be aware of who's in our immediate um, vicinity. So there's two, and something kind of two, two thoughts in what you said. One is the other, the concept of other, and a sense of other, which, which I'll just kind of touch about a little bit. And the second part, I think, is what you're mentioning is the mainstream, uh, the mainstream merchants or small business communities who have been suffering tremendously, um, the small business owners who have been. Um, you know, on the front lines to say of, of from, from the pandemic and from the the situation, and also um, also being uh, directly involved in the choices we make as consumers. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I guess first, with a sense of other, I, I, I take it in another way. If we could just not even, if we were not to even have a concept of other, and if we had that concept that where you are is me, like the sense of I and me, um, where I see you, Jonathan, I see you and I see me and you, meaning you are no other, correct? Like a sense of like identifying that there's a sense of a link amongst all of us. And I think that's that humanity link, that, that, that pure, that purest level of humanity that, and those are where those um, things are, but it, it, it takes us to remove these kind of filters, these kind of divisions, these kind of um, other ways we look at people. So we think of them, or we may think of somebody as an other. But honestly, we're one and the same. I see you and me. I see you and me. The same kind of concept where there is no other. Mm-hmm. Now, if there, so that kind of really, really, it's, it's a philosophical concept in one way, but I think that's something that we could use in a practical approach, right? Like where we, like what you're saying is to say like, you know, I, I, I need to make decisions or I need to make certain um, decisions and I can see that um, I have a small main street business or I have to make a choices um, in other, uh, you know, commercial or business or professional decisions. Uh, where can my choice be impactful and also uplifting to to more you know like it's like if it's not the 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 main street walmart right the walmart i mean the the big box walmart and you can still use that concept to kind of you know say i can you know spend my dollars with a small business entrepreneur on main street and then there's another thing too. I think where the big box or the corporate or the WalMarts do come in, I think WalMarts can definitely set examples of, uh, you know, corporate, you know, ethical responsibility. And I think uh, we've seen that again, maybe a little bit too late, but you've seen lately just between Facebook, Twitter, and some of these other corporate organizations taking a look at where they've been putting their money. Where they've been putting their dollars, where they've been giving platform and mm-hmm. outlet and voice, and now that they're, they're now they're backtracking, but of course they the problem is been enhanced by tenfold because these steps weren't taken when uh, these issues were coming up, but now when that uh, issue has erupted to such an extent. The corporate, um, the corporate, uh, you know, whatever the corporate thermometers have suddenly risen to awareness, and now that they're backtracking and changing their protocols and their systems and their things. But is it too little, too late? I, I know it's. I just, I'm just grateful that they took, they're taking steps. But we need to be as consumers and, um, you know, uh, being part of the community, make sure that they continue to take steps. So that we don't let it come to such a stuck state, you know, like to call out and, you know, guide uh, corporations to make better choices by using our consumer dollars, right? 
and then also using our consumer dollars on Main Street businesses who uplift not just one family or one, they uplift many because they are hiring people in their neighborhoods, they're hiring people in their communities. Uh, small business, Main Street, um, so many uh, uh, small businesses, of, businesses of color, uh, immigrant businesses, you can, you know, um, see that they, they provide such a valuable service and um, the whole community can be um, uplifted and enhanced by, you know, uh, continuing to support uh, those small business owners. And so I think there's opportunity for Main Street and Wall Street to kind of work towards partnerships and towards progressive sort of uh, programs that, you know, that are not like a selfish, uh, uh, I need to take the whole pie or the cake for myself. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, I think there's flavor and there's diversity in, in, in creating a, a pie where, and a way for us to kind of, you know, look at um, businesses um, and um, having, a, again, a, com- uh, a, a compassionate uh, capitalist approach. I definitely, first off, you absolutely blew my mind when you decided to take it in a different direction from a sense of other. I, I have learned in this podcast, and I appreciate that. Uh, second, compassionate capitalism is is an interesting thing uh, because I we, we saw that earlier this year. You know, the CARES Act is passed. This is great. Small businesses, minority-owned businesses are going to be able to get the funding they need to carry them over for at least a few months. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to go on, but it'll carry them over. Um, And it was even something that the banks themselves weren't paying for still remained very inaccessible to small business owners and minority business owners. And many of those businesses had to shutter. I saw that in my town of New Orleans. And there's a second round coming up. And how how do we bridge that at the top? Not necessarily you know, business owner, business, small business owner versus large competitor, but small business owner, the small business owner and the large competitor still need to get their money from somewhere to start out. And that's, I don't know, I've seen, you know, we've seen the banks try and become slightly more aware of social issues, Bank of America, pulling out from funding any exploratory drilling in Antarctica, stuff like that. But how do, in, in terms of money at the bank level, at the, at the federal level, when it comes to the economy and money, how do we make things more of an even playing field so that, so that it's more accessible for small and minority business owners as opposed to the bigger corporations just saying, this is mine. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, I think uh, maybe look at a banker or somebody in Wall Street who will probably <laughs> be able to really... <laughs> but I will just say that Bank of America, even though they'll take some corporate... Um, acts to like the for climate and stuff, but I do think that they just care about their bottom line. And the reason I say that is that it's it's, it's a corporate, it's a corporation that has, you know, it's it's built of people. But then again, when sometimes you take a look at some of the other decisions that they've made, um, they haven't been very small business, um, small business or main street business. Um, supportive, but there's just recently with the pandemic as well, and I, I don't know because I, I haven't looked into this, but just on a on an antidotal note, 
uh, within my some of my uh, areas here, Bank of America had different branches, right, in, mm-hmm. in different locations. So you would have a branch within a couple of miles, and there were like little little hubs. So you know, like if you're in Middlesex or Bamberg or different areas, but they closed some of these smaller branches now. Those communities that were banking, now they have to travel a couple miles to go to a branch that's a little bit further away, or they have to, in those particular locations. Now, you can see Bank of America probably closed because, you know, the pandemic, they wanted to be cost effective. Mm -hmm. They They have to pay the bills. Why do they want to pay for these additional branches? But think about it on the long term. They've actually now shut these. They're saying it's a temporary I'm not sure if they're going to open or not, but now during the pandemic, when maybe a lot of these small business owners who were using those Bank of America facilities, now in that pandemic, which is still occurring, we're still in that pandemic. It's not over. They still have to travel and just travel an additional uh, few miles to now get their banking services. Um, And a lot of the banking services have come online. But again, sometimes, you know, small business uh, owners, especially, they do some of their banking in person. Like they need to uh, make a deposit or a cash deposit or they need, you know, there's still functions that have to occur at a bank. Um, so I thought that was kind of anecdotal to uh, on a very simple practical scale of what's happening uh, on, on, you know, where, where I see kind of that Bank of America on a community level where they kind of shut some of these branch offices down. Um, the other thing with, with Citibank or Bank of America with the PPP loans, as you are aware and many of us are aware, that that first round of, of PPP financing was quite disappointing and disheartening for small business owners and commercial lenders who were working with small businesses because uh, we knew that um, this is one hand we're we're so grateful that the CARES Act's coming through because there's such a need and there's still a need for funding for small business owners. But that first round of PPP turned out to be a very, um, you know, turned to be very uh, a selective use of funding where most of the funding was given to larger entities. And there was a cherry picking that was done by the larger banks. And a lot of small business owners uh, were not able to get their PPP funding at all in that first round. Um, there's so many stories out there, but yeah, I know of one uh, one small business owner from California. There, the banks where they were banking for so many years declined to do their PPP, um, hopping from bank to bank in California. I think they finally found somebody all the way over uh, in Oklahoma, somewhere in the Midwest. Whoa. Uh, they found a lender. Yeah. And again, this was just to imagine a small business owner struggling or trying to get access and then hitting all these doors and like, well, we can't do it. Go try so-and-so. We can't do it. Try and so-and-so. So just being turned turned again and again and then lending up at a small, at a small banking institution, a small community bank somewhere in the Midwest, all the way from, so from California all the way to Midwest. And I was like, you know, that's where the community banking partnerships are so essential. Uh, some of the smaller community banks really came through for small business owners, mm-hmm. whereas the Bank of America and the city banks did not. So it's quite, uh, it's quite enlightening. And I hope that the lessons learned from PPT1, which were then they didn't make changes uh, in the round two. I think this is going to be round uh, I mean, the, the initial round, I would say the whole round itself would be called round one, but there was a part part A and B to it. Part A and then the part B is when they made some changes. Mm-hmm. But then now this, this second, I would say the second round of PPP that's coming through, um, I know that uh, they, they, they've been working on uh, keeping a lot of that in mind, uh, but sometimes I feel that some of the banks are not interested in offering PP because there is not much of an incentive for them uh, financially, you know, as far as that, I think what their, um, as far as their time hours and their resources. So I think some, some banks have an option to opt out of PPP. 
but they don't need to offer that program. And so then a small business lender, a small business owner has to go to a lender who is offering a PPP. Um, and again, it depends upon different reasons. Different banks are choosing not to. Some banks are outsourcing. Some banks are are, are providing the service. So again, um, it's a different, they've made a quite a lot of changes, Jonathan, but we'll see how things go um, and how, and, and hopefully, um, more, more small business owners will be able to get funding. That's that's my hope. That's my hope too. I, you you touched on something. I touched on a few things. Um, the the first is you are you when you mentioned Bank of America closing its smaller branches in your area, and large banks close their smaller branches in a number of areas, including here in New Orleans. Um, a lot of business owners do their banking in person. A lot of people, uh, specifically in minority groups, and this speak, this is data speaking to uh, systemic racism, uh, simply are not as plugged in as let's say middle class white people because the internet costs money so therefore there is a gatekeeping in a sense of information and opportunity at least that's what i'm seeing yeah i i i agree, I agree with you jonathan that um Access and opportunity to capital is key. And where 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 does one turn? Uh, you know, and and where does and where do they turn? There is not many places for them. And then, um, and and so those are opportunity. I, I see like that's where um, there's potential here for service providers for um, you know for for um, you know that space to be serviced. Mm -hmm. And the the other thing, I mean, it's unfortunately it's it's not just the big banks that were hesitant on PPP loans, which kind of it baffled me that some lenders, big and small, were hesitant on PPP loans because there was no risk to them. Essentially, it, you know, you're covered. All you have to do is act as a, a conduit between the borrower and the federal government. Um, but they, a, a lot of people, a lot of people in the finance field at all levels still viewed uh, small businesses, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses as high risk. How can you view those businesses as high risk for loans that pretty much have no risk attached to them. Why would, why I agree. Would, they're, they're, yeah. Why would we That's still really, perpetuate uh, those ideas? Because there's no valid reason. They're, they are not high risk. Minority owned businesses, women owned businesses. Actually, the data has proven that they are some of the most secure lending uh, you know, most secure lending clients, like they are, they they make their payments. They're one of the, actually it's the opposite. The data proves the opposite, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but the perception has, is, has, is, is, is so off base that, um, that it's just mind-boggling that it continues to influence decision-making, right? Um, and, and I think that, that's just something that we have to just tackle again and again. Um, and again, we're speaking, I'm speaking as a small business owner. Um, I'm speaking from my perspective, but, um, but yeah, I would like to ask the, you know, the decision makers up at the top, what, what is, why are they making these decisions when the data clearly is not at all, um, you know, uh, at all saying or stating what they are perceiving. You know, it's absolutely opposite. 
And um, I think this is either of these questions. I think, and also, by the way, when, when I do see some of these questions raised in the, as I listen to different, um, you know, webinars or podcasts, and I, do, and I see that the conversations are happening. Oh, you know, uh, minority communities, women-owned businesses are being overlooked. They're not getting funding. They're not getting access. So we're having these conversations. But I, I'm still not seeing where those action plans can be, are being, you know, um, implemented to make change. So good thing, though, Jonathan, the communication is happening. The conversations are occurring. But we have to get to the point to really make an action plan, right? And I think that's that's going to be key. Um, you know, we know we know the data is false. We know we know there's a need, and we have to now transfer that knowledge to an action-oriented plan for for small business owners, for lenders. I mean, it's a it's a it is a a partnership that would be productive and profitable, and it's just mind-boggling that that we're not there yet. Why aren't we there yet? Where, where a partnership on both ends would be um, profitable for both, productive, um, you know, and just just all around good. So mm. I, 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 I'm questioning that, but I, I'm, I'm positive because I, I try to keep a positive approach with the stuff that we've been through and continue to go through as a community this year. Um, small business owners, minority business owners, small women in business, um, and just all communities affected by the pandemic. Um, I think we do have to keep a positive approach, but we do have to keep the conversations going. And I think we still, and we need to become some type of solution or action plan. And maybe it could be a step, a step, you know, where, um, you know, certain, certain facilities are made available or let's say internet access is made available or we know these um, there's certain uh, pockets of uh, neighborhoods and communities that would benefit from a small bit business banking partnership let's just let's just open up in there let's see what we can do in that space right um, there's a lot of a lot of uh, ways to kind of come at it but um, I think we should start you know moving from talking we need to start really putting the um, putting some plans in place and seeing things shift. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I am hopeful as well. I ideally I would love to see this these upcoming PPP loans used as a as a run for data. Like, yeah, let's prioritize small business owners, minority and women owned businesses for PPP loans. Let's see. Let's just give them the money they need. We will collect the data on, on the performance of those businesses once they receive an infusion of, of capital. And it'll bear out that, yes, they benefited and they stayed successful and they were able to provide to their communities and their employees and hopefully, this is where the internet part comes in, make connections with other business owners who are aligned with them. Like, if I, if I am, I see this, I saw this uh, before the pandemic. There's a small business. It's a, it's a grocery store, a couple blocks, uh, Black-owned business was did had to settle for certain vendors and suppliers for products, and what they didn't know was about six miles away. I want to say there was a black-owned uh, product supplier specifically as far as as produce goes produce and meat and if they had made that connection earlier their costs would have been lowered and they could have developed a healthy partnership to direct new customers to each other and grow but again the internet wasn't there to connect them 
and the capital wasn't there, so they had to settle for what they could find. Yes, that's 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 where I kind of feel like, oh, you know, don't you feel like opportunity missed or just a friendship or relationship or collaboration missed, which would have been beneficial to both and all the community as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, Jonathan, if we could even play the role of a connector of of, of a conduit per se, right? Yes, and you know, yeah, and I and. That's the other thing. Some of the banks, if they could be conduits and if they could be uh, taking on some of these roles where they're able to kind of, you know, see some of these things because they have a, a perspective, right? And and um, that even itself is a resource that probably wouldn't even uh, be um, that difficult for them to access or share, right? Some kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? A collaborative uh, lending mm-hmm. partnership, or kind of creating, creating a network of, um, uh, of providers and service service uh, small business owners. So uh, I mean, there's so many creative angles to it as well, right? Like if we were to find um, and, and and I don't know. I think opening opening up this, this uh, opening this opening this up to like you know all industries if we could even try it in one particular neighborhood or an industry to see where something works uh, you know if this kind of whatever pilot program initiative if it's a a a small business lending partnership with a larger um with a larger bank or uh, vice versa or a community-based approach where network neighborhood network uh, and small business networks um support each other I don't know. I think that there's an opportunity um, to kind of look at the, the situation and really bring the funding in. Uh, how does that PPP funding get distributed? And then also after PPP funding or even after funding is achieved, Jonathan, small business owners still need to have uh, support, some continued guidance or continued direction. And I think where, you know, some of the um, small business development centers could uh, be useful um, but also um, you know reaching out like sometimes like I, I sometimes may not have an answer or know something for a small business owner but I am the first to reach out to others and say you know I have this uh, you know and I'll reach out to colleagues or reach out to friends and say you know and see where I could be of help so you know it doesn't have to be something too large scale it could be even on smaller scale as well but um I do think that uh, that we need to start, you know, looking at opportunities in, in, in these spaces. I 100% agree. And, I, you know, anyone listening to this, you know, if, if you see an opportunity or if someone asks you a question and you don't have the answer, but you think someone else does, try and connect them. You know, y- you... You, Gioti, you are you are a small business owner, and what what have you seen? You know the, that we're not seeing at a national level. What what are you seeing, or what what motions have you taken um, where you are to connect people who might be overlooked or who might have been, you know, kept, kept out by the, by the gatekeepers of finance Mm -hmm. and and, and business Um, information. (laughs) Yes. So I'll just share our, on our small business PPP story. Um, when PPP did come through, we were looking to kind of see if we were placing some of our small business clients. Um, PPP had a lot of independent contractors. Uh, 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 another segment of our business is, you know, working with independent contractors. And these are, you know, they could be Uber drivers or yellow cab taxi drivers in New York, or it could be just the small sole proprietors. And uh, we were working uh, due to due to language issues. We were we were able to service. And this is the thing. So we did all our PPP work pro bono. We didn't earn any um, fees or 
and we offer this service for free because uh, we realize that even, um, you know, with the lender situations and stuff, that we were able to determine that if this, if these social partners are, are even being offered some people through a fintech provider, which and a fintech provider is online and requires, uh, you know, an online portal, requires uh, documents to be uploaded, requires, you know, things to be, questions to be answered. We realize through the language barriers, through the technical barriers, that, you know, if we said to our clients in this group, we were noticing they weren't able to even personally go directly to that portal. So, and the reason I'm saying pro bono, it took a lot of our hands-on time to kind of um, work with client by client um, to guide them to make sure their documents were correct and up help them upload these documents. So, um, what what I what we learned is that the program was there. Really, to access that program was where that bridge was missing, and that had to do with some language and technical issues. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, so that's where we kind of stepped in. Uh, we thought, as to do good business and be in that business of doing good, realizing that this this need was so present that we weren't going to um, charge any any time for our services we were just going to try to see uh, and do the best we could and we did work uh, one-on-one around the clock trying to get these applications just through a fintech portal and you can imagine jonathan the um, the kindness and the gratitude of these um, independent contractors or the who, who have been out of work or the sole, sole proprietors um, so now we're looking at even the most smallest of the smallest of the small business segment, mm-hmm. the sole proprietor. Um, and they, and, um, we worked, sometimes we were not the sole proprietor, even again, language issues. Sometimes, um, the, the persons were so kind. They're like, you know what? We thank you so much, you know, for helping us. And if it had a technical issue, they would say, okay, we have everything, but I don't know how to upload it. Uh, my son and daughter, who's either in high school or college, will be home at four. <laughs> Can mm-hmm. we? Would it be okay? Would it be okay when my son and daughter? I'm like, yes, we're we're, we're fine. Uh, we'll be happy to kind of just guide your son and daughter on uploading. Uh, so, Jonathan, that's just a small antidote I want to share that um, that we that's where that's where we personally saw uh, that there's still a need for some kind of that personal. Uh, uh, support for a small business, I'm sorry, small business minority owner uh, in whichever field to get access funding. That sometimes you still need that uh, that helpful, supportive helping hand, per se. That's that that warms my heart. That story because th- there. When I was first looking at the documentation for for those loans, I was I was like, you know, a lot of small business owners who are who are even fluent in the language that's being used here are going to be completely lost with the documentation that's being asked for. I cannot imagine yeah. what this is like for people who who are not fluent in the language, people who 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 are just trying to to run a business who aren't familiar with all the specific forms and and the requirements and it it's it's almost like the 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 language that was being used was 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 discouraging to small business owners yeah we we had quite a few truck driver truck drivers reach out to us and they're they're such they were so kind and and the truck drivers were providing during the pandemic, right? These guys are trying to, uh, you know, deliver their goods, but then a lot of the truck drivers had to, due to the pandemic, some of their loads and their routes kind of, um, you know, just 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 diminished. Like so, every every sector felt um, a, felt a decline, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so the truck drivers are also quite quite fun, and they're like, you know. Listen, we use our computer, but we don't use it. We, we have this stuff, um, 
but you know we have to kind of either get when we get you know when we get to the accountant i'll get it to you um but what i but what i felt is that again they i told them i said they know truck driving they know what they're doing if i can just help them with this simple um application i said don't worry about it because i know they know they have their skills and so that's kind of where um you know um uh, my husband, her faith, and I uh, worked together, and we were able to really um, provide a service. And again, um, they would always say, "Your fee." Uh, just again, uh, we were we, we determined um, at that time uh, we we weren't going to get anything out of that particular approach. Also, knowing that that fintech lender was not accepting any other relationship partnership, but we did know that this is the best interest of our clients to access this funding. And if we can help help them um, complete that funding, then we would have done a good deed. <laughs> and I hope uh, those good deeds, you know, continue to, you know, uh, carry us because it's just the, the the business of doing good and doing good business. Um, that's kind of the approach that we're we're using. I I like that philosophy because in so many cases. Business is not even, you know, from business to business or business to contractor or from finance to business. It's most of the time it's it's not about bottom line. The bottom line can and in many cases will be met if you are willing to understand the needs of others and bridge gaps in information or skills to help everyone reach their goals. Yeah, I think that you said it beautifully. Let's breathe that bridge, Jonathan. Why don't we all in whichever capacity, whichever way, shape or form, wherever spaces that we have, and just like this podcast of yours, it's a bridge. It's a bridge between, you know, uh, uh, of so many uh, sectors to, you know, so I feel like I, I really like that. I, I I love the metaphor of the bridge because it's connecting, it's supportive, and, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think that's where, where we can, in all sectors, we can create bridges, you know, we can create these connections and um, uh, partnerships. So that's, uh, that's a great metaphor. Well, it, Honestly, in part, it has to do with watching your business, Nanaki Capital, as well, because you're doing something that that other people are not really, or or if they are doing it, they're being they're very well hidden, um, because. Well, I don't know. Well, think about it, Jonathan. Like, you know, not many businesses go out that well. We did a lot of, we did a lot of work hours, but we really didn't make uh, a, a, a bottom, like, we didn't really have a profit. So who, who really wants to promote themselves on that level? Because most of our success is determined about how much, quote, unquote, profit is gained. But what when we're talking about a profit that's not a, a financial profit if you're talking about a profit of doing good <laughs> that's not something that's very commonly heard uh in a capital or finance sector <laughs> but, it's, a, it's like we, we made a bunch of millions um but then we donated so much so, so to charity but we still made a bunch of millions right so I, what i'm trying to say is like maybe um our approach might not be the best approach because but for us it works because our our goal, just like you said, uh, is, 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 again, to do good business and be in the business of doing good. And we think that, that there's an opportunity to do that. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it's kind of part and parcel. So it's sort of like, you know, the day to day is where I, I, I just don't think about community service at the end where I have to kind of, get a tax deduction, mm-hmm. you know, every, every part of that service, every, um, everything that I kind of work towards is to be in service or to be, uh, supportive of small business, minority business, woman in business, um, if it's, uh, or to be supportive of other, um, community organizations, wherever we, uh, individually in our individual spaces, 
in our business spaces, professional spaces, if we can be that um, kind of person or uh, connector, um, that's what I, that's the approach that I, I, I feel um, works for, for me personally. I, I honestly think that is a beautiful philosophy, and I, I wish more businesses and financial institutions embrace that. That to go back to when you brought up compassionate capitalism and to think of us not as uh, individuals and to look at us as look at everyone and everything as a link. I think that creates a much better environment for commerce to to take it to what you were doing with truck drivers. They had their skill set. You had your skill set. There was a gap. But if we if we move financial profit off to the side, if you do not if you did not help them or if they had tried to struggle through uh, reaching their goals and, and filling in the information, then yeah. their business halts. And if the trucking business halts, then that means entire sections of the economy halt and <laughs> customers are not getting goods that they need. Businesses... Um, the healthcare industry is not getting the equipment and the supplies it needs. So yeah. by, by, as you said, seeing us all, seeing how everything is linked together, the, the work and the help coming first has a bigger payoff down the line. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, and I think that to the, um, uh, from the trucking industry again. Remember, small sole proprietors—they're they're running their trucks. They got to make sure they're covering their taxes, insurance, and their expenses. So mm-hmm. again, um, they—they—I—I I don't think they would have been able to access or get to that funding, or that PPP funding, um, if if we didn't step in at that. And and again. Um, it would have again created a whole different like just just needing to access that capital allow them to have a little uh, uh, you know a little uh, fresh a little breathing room mm-hmm. to wait until their tr- until their trucks start moving started moving again right and I think that's where the PPP funding and the SBA funding um, for all small business owners out there for all um, you know full proprietors you know I highly recommend that to access those funding sources, reach out, make connections, call, um, you know, whoever you can to access this source of funding. Uh, This particular round of PP funding uh, might be the last round of funding that we see for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, And we need need to make sure that um, it doesn't matter how small the business is, um, that if they're, you know, they they may qualify uh, for funding. And to kind of reach out and, you know, um, wherever, whoever they can, um, and to make sure that they get access to that capital. It's so essential to keep their businesses, small businesses, local partnerships moving. And also that funding is available to everyone. It is a, it is not limited to any industry. It's not limited to any dollar amount that you must make. It, it is open to everyone. So we just need to get the word out there. And to just to be that uh, support and bridge to uh, connect this program to as many small business owners, independent contractors, and sole proprietors that we can. And those businesses who already have PPP funding, who got PPP funding, uh, they can apply for a second round of PPP funding. They should take advantage again of this opportunity uh, because, because this is important for them to kind of continue to uh, get a little bit of a breath of relief uh, due to the circumstances and conditions that have been in the small business sector. Uh, so I, I highly, highly, you know, recommend and um, that to all, uh, to all. 
I think you are spot on there because a lot. I know that there are going to be a lot of small and minority-owned businesses that that say, "Why should we even try? You know, we couldn't. We couldn't. We couldn't do it the first time." Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I I would. I'm an idealist, and you know, to a degree. A, you know, a romantic, but we'll say an idealist in, in that I want to say we have learned, <laughs> the finance industry has learned, and those who haven't, they're going to be recognized. Um, and, and the ones who have learned or the ones who have been pushing for accessibility, such as your business, mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they are going to rise because by helping small businesses, if small businesses can succeed, everyone succeeds. If you're if people are just focusing on the really big finance deals, you know, mm-hmm. great. But at the end, that is, as you said, it is a link, and it's linked to so many things that end up further disenfranchising not just other business owners but the families and communities attached to those small businesses yeah it's definitely a circle it's definitely we're all connected and it's a circle so i think uh uh yeah it, it, it it'll it'll get there jonathan i I'm, I'm you know i'm right with you with the idealism and um but but also recognizing the steps all of us can take maybe in some small ways uh, to just uh, support, contribute, giving voice, giving platform, um, you know, and, and just encouraging that movement. And I think that your podcast, Improving from Normal, maybe, you know, what we're, we're, there, there's going to be that better, you know, that better situation, you know, so... Um, you know, so that's you know, let's, it'll be it'll be great to get there, you know, one step at a time. It will be, and 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 could could I get you to come back for another episode in the future? <laughs> yes, I'd be I'd be happy to come back. Thank you so much. I it was such an honor and privilege um, to be asked and invited to to come on this podcast with you, Jonathan. You know, um, I appreciate the, just the, the opportunity and platform to have a exchange of ideas and thoughts. And it was just such a wonderful and comfortable space. Um, I wish you just continued success in making connections for the community and for the creative and creating this creative um, and safe space to have conversation. So I wish you just continued success, Jonathan, with your endeavor. I, I am I am humbled. And, and I, I am similarly honored to be able to trade ideas with you because you, you are, you are one of the people I, I can resonate with on these ideas. And, and every time I speak with you, I end up coming away with a million different thoughts to build upon and light bulbs go off in my head. Like, yes, you know what? I'm not just going to shop at my local business. I'm going to get to know the business. I'm going to see like, okay, what, what, what are your big successes? Where are you, where are you facing challenges? And, and if, if I don't know the answer to that as a customer, I'll see if there's anyone around me who does it, You know, the local businesses are not simply the alternative to big box stores. They're part of your community. Get out and know the business owners. Yeah, and they're like I said, small business owners become family. Once you get out there, once you work, and once you begin to be, trust me, I have um, wonderful family-owned restaurants, and where after a while, you're just like, oh, if you're not part of that family or mm-hmm. other businesses, I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, so yes, trust me. It's it's a it's a it's a mutually um, fulfilling relationship, and um, you know you know again you know Jonathan I think you're you hit the nail on the head, 
uh, you know, in just having the, that space to connect and have these conversations and in, in, in really uplift uh, 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 and support uh, the small businesses, you're uplifting communities. And it's a domino effect. And it's awesome. And we can see how much change that can happen within a community. Uh, so that'll be, that's great. Great, great, great stuff. Mm. And, and I, I, I'm going to wind down this episode. I, I think, I think this is the longest podcast I've ever done. Uh, oh dear. No, no, no. The reason it, 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 it was, it was the reason it's long is because I was, I was having fun going back and forth and trading ideas. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, feel free to edit and if you can edit, that'll be great too. But yeah, no, no, I, no, I, I'm, I'm leaving everything in. <laughs> <laughs> but but before yeah. before 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 we go from the show because I still I still want to talk to you for a little bit after the show. Um, okay. Where 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 can people find you? Oh sure, you, they can find me at um, well I can say like uh, com or uh, they can reach me at. Um, my email as well. Uh, it would be J Y O T I at and then it's N A N A K I capital so C A P I T A L dot com. And then just the uh, we, we do have an 800 number that what if anybody wants to call one eight 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 Nine five eight five eight zero eight. Excellent, and I'll put I'll put all those links in the show notes, so people can okay. go there Thank too. Thank you. That, that's great. And and that's that's been episode one. I thank you for being here, Gioti, and I thank everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.